on a beautiful and new sense. Um, as you know, we've been in a series called The Christ-Centered Life. And what we've said is, is that if Christ is at the center of your life, some things are natural to happen. Some things are bound to come. So now, here's what we say. Now watch this. Religion is forcing these elements into your life, and then hopefully one day you'll become a Christian. And what we're saying is absolutely not. It's being in Christ, as he's the center of your life, he leads you. Just like, it kind of comes out of your pores. Right? So now, everybody has a center of their life. Everybody does. You do. I do. The question is, is Christ the center of your life? Now, there's a lot of people that if I put the, right on top of this word Christ, if I covered it and I put the word self, it's the self-centered life. Now, something you notice about self-centered people is that you never have to encourage them to think of themselves. It just naturally flows out of them. Isn't that true? You never have to tell a self-centered person to be selfish. It just naturally flows out of them. You never have to tell a self-centered person, don't think about anybody else, just think of yourself. You never have to give that instruction to a self-centered person. Do you know why? Because there are natural things that flow out of a self-centered person. Well, what about, what about a chemical-centered or a drug-centered person? There are certain things you don't, you don't have to tell an addict so do me a favor, would you please lie to everyone around you? Well, that just naturally comes out of them. Could you please use substances that would be harmful to animals? Sure, no problem. Um, would you please steal things and live a, a pretty thoroughly debaucherous life? Absolutely, no problem. You never have to tell that to an addict. You never have to tell an addict, hey, would you do me a favor, would you just take stuff that doesn't belong to you? You just never had to instruct an addict that way. Do you know why? Because if you're in a, a, an addict-centered life, there are just things that naturally flow out from you. Now, here's what we're saying. This is big. This is cool. This is wonderful. I want you to listen. The Christ-centered life has natural flows out of them. Right? And if you're living a Christ-centered life, and my hope is that I might paint the picture that the Christ-centered life might be palatable to you. That it would be something that you would want. And it would be just, I would just, I, I just want you to see Jesus as something that's so wonderful. Not if you, if you pray and you read the Bible and you share uh, Jesus with everyone you meet and you do your finances well and all this other stuff. Not if you do these things, then maybe you'll have Christ. No, 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 no. But that if you ask Christ to come into your life and to come into your heart, and you say, Lord, would you just, would you make my life a Christ-centered life? That there's, there's a beauty that can come from that, that you can hardly express. And it, there's some natural things that'll happen. Nobody will have to tell you. You'll just want to. You'll want to pray. You'll want to read your word. You'll want to do these things. Now, um, I want to share with you... Uh, a story that I found recently, but I heard a long time ago. And I'm going to try, I'm going to do my best 
to tell you this guy's name. I've never heard it pronounced. I've only read it. And it sounds like this. Uri Treisman. Uri Treisman. Now, before I go into that, why don't we pray and ask God to help us with the scriptures that we're going to be looking at today, and then we'll go right into it, okay? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to look at your word. What a, what a privilege and a joy. And so, Father, I do ask that in Jesus' name you would help us. Help us to be broken before you. Seek your face. Open to the change that you want to uh, do in our lives. And Lord, I, I pray that we would feign the name of Jesus. I pray that Jesus would be lifted high. I pray that Jesus would be celebrated, loved, and adored, and obeyed. Even now in this service, Lord, do a miracle in each one of our lives. Let no one leave here the same. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, Uri Tressman was a, a Berkeley graduate student who was, what, here's what he was wondering. He asked the question, why is it that African American kids do so poorly in math and Asian kids do so well? And he did not buy this sort of stereotypical, well, white men can't jump and black kids can't do math and Asians are good at math. That's it. Just, that's, just, that's just the way um, that life is. He did not buy this foolish idea and stereotype of life. And so he started to study. And he did this study in around 1973. I'm sorry, around 1975. And so he did this study, and he, he found out as he studied each of the, you know, a group of students and another group of students, he found out that the African-American kids and the Latino kids, is really uh, minorities, the, the, the minority kids, the Spanish and the black kids, um, they, they studied, and they were, and these are not dopes, like these are kids in Berkeley, right? So these are not dopes, these are highly motivated, you know, apple of their community kind of kids, these kids didn't do so well, these kids did. So he studies, and he finds out that the Asian kids, funny enough, the Asian kids, when they study, they study in groups, connected, together, in, in, in groups, while the minority kids only studied by themselves. And so he did an experiment, sort of like a social experiment. And what he did is he flipped it. And he asked these, this group of Asian kids that the only time you can study is by yourself. And then he asked this group of minority students and said the only time you can study is in this group. It's the only time you could study. Here's what he discovered. He discovered that while the Asian kids, when they were studying within this particular cultural framework, did much better than the minority kids. And then when he flipped the tables, so did the test scores. It was amazing. Here's what he discovered. He discovered that people do better when they do what they're doing together. People do better when they're together. That's a fact. And so now, he discovered this, and it was pretty, it was pretty radical, and it was pretty cool, because it was in the 70s, and it was, it was really cool. But I'm wondering, didn't you just know that? Didn't you? Like, isn't that your experience? Isn't it true that, like, like isn't it true that you just... It's cool, to, it's wonderful to have friends around you who you could do life with and grow with. Isn't it true that if you've ever tried to exercise or work out, you're good for one or two days by yourself, but you're good for at least two weeks with a friend, right? 
See, because when we're together, we all know this intuitively, that we're better together. What they found in this group of kids, with the Asian kids, is that they would share um, strengths with one another. They would share hopes. They would share even silly things like, what should, how should I, uh, what, what kind of pencil, number pencil should I bring for this particular pe- uh, test? Should I bring my own uh, scrap paper, or do they provide it? They learned all this stuff within this community. They helped one another. Their strengths strengthened one another, and they became better. You, took, you take that away, and it changed. Now watch this. God knows this about us. He knows this about us. He knows that we need each other. He knows that we desperately need one another. That if we don't have one another, we don't do as well. Life doesn't go as well. Well, listen, today we're going to talk about this aspect out of the Christ-centered life. One thing that wants to flow out of the Christ-centered life. And it's this thing that the Bible calls fellowship. Isn't that a cool word? Fellowship. Now, fellowship is when a group of people who are going in the same direction go together. That's what fellowship is. And so, in, in fellowship, God goes, I know you do better in relationship. Now, some of us, like me, are introverts. I'm the guy that at 10 o'clock at night, party's over. Take me home. I need to take a nap. It's past my bedtime. And some of y'all, at 3 o'clock in the morning, the party's just begun. And so, whether you're at my side of the street, very introvertish, or another side of the street, very extrovertish, each one of us desperately need fellowship, relationship with people. It's so important. Anybody remember? Nobody remembered this in the last service. In the last service we had, we had a big group of people here. Nobody remembered this, this fact, uh, this thing. But in 1973, they released a movie called The Cipher in the Snow. Does anybody know? Anybody ever heard of that? Not one person. Okay, try this. Okay, The Cipher in the Snow. You remember this story, right? There's a kid. He's in high school. He gets off the school bus, and he walks off the, uh, the school bus uh, stairs, and he drops dead right there on the snow. No kidding. That's the beginning of the movie. And it only got better. That's why none of you all heard about it, because who cares, right? Oh, no, I'm all alone by myself talking about the story. Okay, so let me just tell you quickly. Very quickly, what they did, it was supposed to be based off a true story. I didn't take the time to verify if it was, but they said based off a true story. So, you know, you can Google it if you want. Cipher in the snow, find out. Okay, here's the point. The point is that um, there was a teacher who was written about in the kid's notebook, the one that he had on his backpack, and he was written about as the kid's favorite teacher. To the shame of the teacher, the teacher couldn't remember the kid. He couldn't remember the kid at all. He didn't know who he was, and he was in his class. Not like four years ago, he was in my class. No, he's like, in my class, he'll be in third period, right? Now watch this. This was what was fascinating about it. The teacher was given the task of doing sort of a eulogy and finding out and all this stuff. So what happened was is that he started to investigate the kid's life, and it turned out that the kid's parents had a divorce. They had a divorce, and they were so desperately hurt from the divorce that they could spend no time with the child. He had no friends. The kids at school did not know him. He was invisible. For all intents and purposes, he was completely 
invisible to everyone around him. And the teacher, trying to get ten people to come to his funeral wake service, had a great, great difficulty and a great, great hard time in trying to do that. And in the end, the conclusion was that the child died from loneliness. The child died because they had, the child, that he had no interaction, no affirmation, no love and fellowship. Now, I don't know if you leave here and if you don't do what this sermon is going to ask you to do, I don't know if you're going to drop dead outside. You might, right? You might. But here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. What I'm going to ask you to do today is unbelievably good for you. Unbelievably beneficial for you. You'll live longer. What I'm going to ask you to do today, here's the benefits of it. You'll live longer. You'll mature faster. The learning curve by which you learn things, like, you know what I mean? Like, you make a mistake, ow. You make a mistake, ow. Well, watch this. You can minimize that by, like, one ow. Right? And everybody wants that, right? Okay, watch this. Your health will be better. Oh, my goodness. Your happiness, quote, will go north. What is this? What is this that I'm asking? I'm going to ask you, by the end of this sermon, I'm going to ask you to get in a small group. I'm going to ask you to get a group of people that you connect with. I'm going to make it unbelievably easy for you. I'm going to tell you the people. I'm going to give you phone numbers. All you're going to have to do is show up. That's it. But it's going to be fabulous for you. And listen to me. Whether you're interested in improving your health, interested in improving and growing, interested in becoming more mature, interested in learning more, interested in, in relating with other people, interested in sending your happiness quote into the, uh, up north. Listen, whatever you're interested in, this will help you. If you just do what I, I'm going to ask you to do. So I'm going to, by the end of this sermon, I'm going to ask you, and you can check out now. Here, let me, let me give you the end at the beginning. I'm going to ask you to call somebody, uh, call one of the life group leaders that we have. We call them life groups because we do life together, right? And, and it's wonderful. Now watch this. I'm going to ask you to connect with them because we love seating you in rows. We love teaching you the Bible. We love sharing with you. But more than just seating you in rows, we want to seat you in circles. We want you guys to be connected with one another. We want you guys to grow. And there's no way that that can happen, not to the degree that it can happen if you're in a fellowship group, if you're in a life group. So would you just be open-hearted about that? Would you, and I know, listen, I was not raised in a Christian church. Can I say that? I was, not, I was not raised in Christianity at all. In fact, the last thing, the fact that I'm up here is proof that God exists, because this is the last thing I would have signed up. I was, like, I was looking for, like, plutonium, like, you know, I would have looked for anything other than this, right? I did not want to come to Christ, walk in Christ, do anything that had to do with Christ. I say that to say, because I know what it's like to sit in your chair and go, I ain't going to do nothing that dude tells me. In fact, I wonder how many lights are in here. One, two, three, four. You know, and start counting. Sort of start fading out, check out. I also know what it's like to play mental judo, right, with the pastor, right, right? 
And so, you know, the pastor says something and you defend it in your mind. And then, you know, so it's like, yes, but you don't know my story. Yes, but people hurt me before, right? It's like this mental judo that we do. And, and, and I get that. But listen to me. Listen to me. I gain nothing if you get in a small group. Nothing. You gain the world. I gain nothing if you start to mature and start to grow in Christ. You gain the world. I've already got a small group of people that, I'm, that is loving me and that helps me when I fall, that helps me course correct, that helps me lick my wounds when I've blown it. I've got a, a group of guys who will you know, talk that straight talk to me. I've already got this and I, it's such a good deal. I want it for you. I want it for you. I'm like a five-year-old trying ice cream for the first time going, you got to try this. So that's all I'm saying. So here's what I'm saying. I know that there's a million reasons. Listen, there's a million reasons to shut me off, but would you just keep me on for just a few minutes and we'll talk about growing. Now, when we talk about growing, we're going to have to talk about the obstacles to growing. Anybody here, this is why we have to talk about the obstacles of growing, because if you don't plan on growing with a group of people, you, you fade away. Now, has anybody here ever had a group of friends, like in the summer, right? Like, did you ever have that summer with that group of friends? And it was like, oh, this is so awesome. Did anybody ever have that? I've had that twice, right? Yeah, right. Sure. Well, you have like a group of friends and all summer long, it's like you connect, you, you meet by the soda shop or you meet by the mall or you meet by the, that corner or in my case, you meet by that stoop and you all, nobody had to call necessarily anybody. You just knew that's where you would meet, that's where you would hang out, that's where you talk. Well, I had a couple of summers like that and the thing that hurt me the most about that, and I didn't know that then, but the thing that hurt me about it now looking back was that we faded away. Like, after the summer went on, you know, they were in their class, I was in my class, we got new friends, we got busy, and we just kind of faded away. And you know why we faded away? Because we had no plan to grow together. We had no plan to grow together. And so today, I want to give you some thoughts about fellowship, some thoughts about growing together. If you're married... This is gold. If you have a friend, if you want to have a friend, this is gold. If you plan on having children, this is gold. Like, and no matter, if, if you don't know Jesus and hate Jesus and want nothing to do with Jesus, this will be very beneficial for you if you just listen. Now, of course, I want you to know Jesus. That's my, long, that's my longing for you. I think that there's great joy in that. But I want you to hear how to grow and the reason that we want to learn how to grow together is because we do better when we do life together. Would you say that with me like three times so you can get it in your mind? We do better when we do life together. Two more times. We do better when we do life together. Even you stubborn people who refuse to do anything I ask. Let's try it again. One, two, three. We do better when we do life together. We do. And so, how do we do life together? Well, here, here's how it is. First thing is, growing together means being honest. Now, in your, in your bulletin, on the very second page, I'm going to have... Listen, if you're here for the first time, we absolutely love you and think about you. We have your scriptures. We have the points that I'm going to make. 
They're already in your bulletin. So if you're new and you're like me, you came new to a church and you never brought your Bible because you didn't have one, cool beans. We got the Bible in the bulletin for you. And so this is going to be very helpful to you. Okay? So open it up. Now get a pen or pencil, mascara if you need to, and, and write some of this stuff down because it's going to be very helpful to you. Okay? Growing together means being honest. Would you write honest down in your, in, in your sermon map? Write honest down. Here's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. In speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up to, into him, into him who is the head that is Christ. Now watch this. Speaking the truth in love. Can I, can I be honest with you? I just want to be real honest with you. I've discovered that the kindest form of pastoring is honesty. It's the kindest form of pastoring. I know what it's like to see a train wreck. Oh, pastor, look, he gave me the ring. And it's just like, you know, or like, hey, Ed, did you see the girl that I'm going to marry? And it's like, wow, she's really pretty. Um, is she sane? <laughs> is she like, does she, like, you know, have you, you know, have you checked her background? Because she looks a little loopy. And so, um, I've, I've, and I know what it's like to see that and go, goody for you. Congratulations. And I've seen train wrecks of life. So I've decided that the kindest form of pastoring is honesty. Now watch this. Listen to what the scripture says. This, uh, this scripture says that we speak the truth in love. That means, you know what you have if you have truth but no love? You have a cruel individual. Everybody knows what it's like to be around a person who speaks bluntly honest, but nobody wants to be around them because it's not, there's not a bit of love in it. It's like, oh, you're going to wear that to the, you know, to the dance? And you're like, good night. Could you say that any better? You know, right, right. Do you know what that's, have you ever been around that person who everything they say might be true as the day is long? But you'd never know because you can't get past the offense. It's so painful. Speaking the truth without love is cruel. Loving without speaking the truth is lies. It's lies. This is, this is the kind of stuff. So if you're in a small group, we need to speak the truth in love. We need to be kind about speaking the truth in love. We need to be... We, we, need to, we need to say it in a way that it's received. So we're in a small group, and I'm supposed to speak the truth in love. Here's what speaking the truth in love is. Brother, do you think that that's the most helpful way to correct your wife? The sarcasm, I mean. Sister, do you think that that's the most helpful way to speak to your children? The belittling, I mean. Do you think that that's... What is that? That is speaking the truth in love. I just want to learn more. I'm asking a question. Do you think that this is... Where do you think you'll be if you continue on this path one year from now? If you continue going through these sort of illicit relations, where do you think you'll be? These are examples of speaking the truth in love. Brother, I love you with all my heart, but it seems... Like you're heading for a cliff. And this like, 
and you're going like 90 miles an hour. And I'm not, I'm not judging you. I'm not, I'm not criticizing you. I'm just telling you what I seek. I've got to speak the truth in love. And believe me, believe me, I'd rather, I'd rather not say, speak the truth in love. Growing together means being honest. Listen, listen to what Galatians chapter 6 verses 1 and 2 say. Brothers and sisters, if someone in your group does something wrong, you who are spiritual should go to that person and gently make him right again. But be careful, because you might be tempted to sin too. By helping each other with troubles, you truly obey the law of Christ. Listen, being honest, being honest means giving our... And we're going to talk a little bit more about this. But you know this sentence over here that it says in this uh, scripture? It says, but be careful because you might be tempted to sin too. Look up at me. If you struggle with a bunch of tapes and CDs and internet sites that you've gone to, that no child and no adult, quite frankly, should go to, I might not be the guy to help you with that. I just, I just, I come from a background of, of watching terrible things and abusing my own heart with these terrible things that if I expose myself to, it might open up a door with me. I might not be the guy. But because we love each other and we're honest, we, we say, I can't, I'm not sure that I could do it. What about your wife? Is your wife available? Can we share this with your wife? What about, you know, so-and-so? He doesn't seem to have an issue with this. Just come and come in there. Can we hire a maid to just kind of throw all this stuff out and just take it down the block and two, you know, right, down the block, two blocks down, and, the, you know, and the, right, how you do that, right? How can I? But it's being honest. Not setting yourself up to fall, but being honest with one another. If we're going to grow together, listen, in your marriages, in your friendships, in your dating relationships, in your work environments, in your small groups as you fellowship, you're going to have to be honest. At least start to grow to be honest. And that means taking off the mask. It's okay. Listen, it's okay to come into my small group and go, just guys, you know, you know what the truth about me is? I'm struggling like you can't believe. Like I'm really, I, I, it's been a long time since I fell into that sin and I feel myself growing closer to it. Would you just, would you pray for me? Would you keep me accountable? Would you, you know, going into a group and saying, I just had a knockdown, drag out fight with my wife. And I have no intention of going back. Just, just wonderful. To be able to be honest. You know what happens if you do that in a group, if you're honest that way? You know what the group gets to do the next week you come back? So, how'd you do with the marriage situation? How'd you do with the sin issue? How are you doing? How can we serve you? How can we help? They get to, because you're honest. Okay. So, the first step, if we're going to grow in our fellowship groups, we have to grow to, growing together means being honest. Secondly, Growing together means being humble. Would you write that down? Growing together means being humble. Growing together means being humble. Here's what the Bible says, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. When you do things 
Do not let selfishness or pride be your guide. Can we read that, that, just that phrase that I just read from the beginning to that comma? Let's do that together. One, two, three. When you do things, do not let selfishness or pride be your guide. Listen, guys. For life, that's a good verse for you. Be humble and give more honor to others than to yourselves. Do not be interested only in your own life, but be interested in the lives of others. Listen to me. In our church, we have a lot of people that come from sort of 12-step backgrounds, right? 12-step backgrounds. And so, a hallmark of a person who comes from that 12-step background is a propensity to be a flaming narcissist. A flaming self-centered person. I'm talking about out of the closet, with the wig, oh my goodness, this person is only thinking about themselves. Unbelievable. And one of the things in our church that I want us to start practicing is humility. Brother, your circumstance matters more than mine right now. I love you. I want to serve you. Not a codependence, but a love and a concern. Not looking to get the attention for myself. Not looking to have the spotlight turned in on me. How can I? How can I help, serve, put you, your needs, before my needs? Again, not in a codependent, ridiculous way, but in a way that honors Christ. Do not let selfishness or pride be your guide. I tell you, I've never ever, you know, in small groups, in marriages, I've never seen humble have a knockdown, drag out fight with humble. I've never seen that. I've seen pride, you know, take out guns. But I've never seen humble have a, I mean, I've, I've seen pride and pride like whip out the flamethrowers. But I've never seen humble and humble come to blows, ever. You know why? Humility is a wonderful trademark of the Spirit. And if you don't have it, we just go, Jesus, let me tell you the truth about me. I care more about me than I care about you. The truth about me is that I care more about me than I care about them. The truth about me is that I am only interested in my comfort, my needs, my desires, my happiness, my joy. That's the truth about me. Jesus, would you transform that? And would you do that within the confines? You know, and Jesus would go, I'll do that. I'm going to get you in a small group. And I'm going to help you work on humility and honesty. Now, um, let's keep on going. So let's see the first two. See if we got them together, all right? You, you say what's in the blank line, okay? First one, uh, first one if we're going to grow together. Growing together means being? Yes. Growing together means being? Right. Now, growing together also means being courteous. Would you just write that down? Be courteous. Be courteous. This is a big deal. Here's what the Bible says in Titus chapter 3, verse 2. No insults, no fights. God's people should be big-hearted and courteous. Uh, Romans 12.10 says this, Be devoted to each other. Like a loving family, excel in showing respect for each other. Man, being courteous is such, I don't know, it's like a lost art. 
And just people, like, just basic manners, right? Like if you're curtain, you know, right, guys? You take out the chair for the lady. You open the door. It's courtesy. It's a courtesy. You don't have to. Of course you're not. If you had to, it'd be called obligation. But because you don't have to, we call it courtesy. So uh, uh, we come in here, and, uh, and, and I know, by the way, I know you guys are going to be inviting people to come to service. And there's going to be a time when there's not going to be another chair left. And because you're going to be courteous, you're going to be the one to stand up and say, hey, you're here for the first time, aren't you? You can please have my seat. I mean, it's a nightmare. It's, you know it's bad on the train stations when a pregnant woman walks in, all the seats are taken, and the old lady has to get up because none of the guys want to. Anybody seen that? I say, it's awful. But now watch this. We want to do that on the train stations for sure, but we're talking about something even more impressive and more powerful. We need to be courteous with one another. We need to have that sort of spirit that puts you before me and says, you know what? How can I, how can I love this person? Hey, do you need a pickup? You know, and gas prices the way they are. We only live a few blocks away. I can pick you up on the way to the small group. It's a, you don't have to. That's a courtesy. And that's a sweet way of being with one another. I want you guys to grow in being courteous with one another. Showing respect. Okay. So not only do we grow together, growing together means being honest and being humble and being courteous. Growing together also means being safe. Would you write that down, safe? And right next to it, if you don't understand what safe means, I want you to write down confidential. Confidential. Now, write that down. This is really big. And because we're in the society and the culture that we're in, I'm going to have to clarify this. So, let me see if I can help you understand this. But before I do, I'm going to read to you Proverbs 16:28. Gossip is spread by wicked people. They stir up trouble and break friendships. Gospel is spread by wicked people and they stir up... Yes. I said gossip. It's the microphone. It's the microphone. Okay. So, gossip. Could you imagine me saying that? That would be bad. Yes. Okay. See, this is the kind of honest interaction that I'm looking forward to having in our small groups, right? We want to continue doing this. Okay. Gossip is spread by wicked people. They stir up trouble and break friendships. Who here can't wait to have a gossip for a best friend? Yeah, woo, yes. Can't wait. We need to get you in a small group. Um, Yes, and so help you. Um, So... Nobody wants that. You know why? Everybody knows, even though, even though, who here loves listening to gossip? Tell the truth. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's a, it's a tasty morsel. Nobody wants to be honest in church. Yes, right. Of course. There's a ton of us. Right, right, right. We love listening to gossip. Watch this. Here's what you know about a person who shares gossip with you. You never share your secrets with them, do you? You know why? Because they're going to gossip about you too, aren't they? Sure, 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 sure. So now watch this. Growing together means being safe. That means, listen to me, listen to me. So I come into my small group. I come into my small group and I'm having wicked problems with my wife, right? 
I'm having a lot of terrible uh, uh, problems with my wife. So I come, I come into my gospel group, my, my fellowship group, my life group, my fellowship group, my small group. I come in there and I go, guys, let me tell you the truth about me. I just had an argument with my wife. I'm wrong and I have no desire. So, you know, it's, it's about the honesty part that we talked about. And it's like, I have no desire to make it right. Now, now watch this. It would not be okay if that came back to me with my wife. Like, that'd just be, like, wrong. And you know what I would do after that if I kept on going to that group, which I can't imagine mustering up the energy to go back to that group again? You know what I would do? I would say, you would go, so, Edwin, how are you doing? Fine. Fine. I'm fine. I'm just fine. You know how I'm going to do tomorrow? Just fine. What about next week? Fine. You know how I was doing yesterday? Fine. F-I-N-E, fine. You know why? Because if it's not a safe place, you're not going to be... So listen, you've got to... I, I, I know the story about a pastor. True story. He... Um, there was a gossip in the church, and he confronted this woman, and he confronted her again. Then after that, he just started to avoid her. He started to avoid her, and she said, you know, I feel that you're trying to avoid me. He goes, I am. He goes, because the Bible says, and I want you to look down at this verse, Titus 3.10. The Bible says, warn a divisive person once, and then warn him a second time. After that, have nothing to do with him. Now, let me tell you something. You know why that woman would be transformed by that kind of response? The, the Bible says to stay away from, after you've warned them once and after you've warned them twice, to stay away from a gossip. You know why? Gossips have a way of destroying everything around them. And so you go, gosh, that's harsh. No, it's the most loving thing you can do. You know why? Because for the first time, a gossip is confronted with their sin. Gossip. It's unbelievably transformative. Now, here's what I do not mean. Here's what I do not mean. We have a value in this church called confidentiality. But you know that what we hold on a higher level? The gospel of Jesus Christ. The holiness of God. The beauty of the church. We hold that at a higher value. So, not long ago, meaning within the last year, last 12 months, I had a pastor call me up not from this church, different church. And the pastor called me up and said, I've got a problem. A guy came into my counseling room and he said that he's, uh, he feels really guilty, he feels terrible, but he's been touching his young daughter. And the pastor actually needed to call me up to know what to do. And in frustration, I said, you're going to hang up the phone, you're going to call the police, and you go, yeah, 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 but Edwin, confidentiality. What are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Could you imagine? Listen to me. Could you imagine? Could you imagine that little girl? Could you imagine that little girl? Let's say it was my, this wasn't my office. This, this definitely wasn't my office. I'd have lost my mind. Could you imagine that little girl, eight years later, she's 18 now, and she goes, she's in my office, sitting on the same couch her dad sat in, and she speaks to me, and she says, 
I've got a secret that I've got to share with you. Please, tell me your secret. I want to help you. My dad was abusive in a way that I can't even verbalize. And then imagine my response, because remember what was the first thing we said? Growing together means being what? Honest. So in my honest response, here it is. You ready? I know. Could you imagine that response? I should be shot. But watch this. This is the kind of culture sometimes we get around when we get into codependent, very sick groups. That's why these other things have to exist. If we're honest with one another, we go, okay, here's what you're going to do, bro. I'll give you three days. Turn yourself in. It'll look better. And you can maybe find mercy in the court, but we need to get an, a professional involved. You have three days, you don't do it, I call the police. Simple as that. Right? Watch this. Listen to me. Confidentiality doesn't mean allowing people to break the law. Does that make sense? Okay, so we, so we want to build fellowship, but not to the degree that everybody feels like... And listen, I know, listen... I got, I, I've heard more confessions, I've heard more confessions than the DA. I know, I know, people share with me stuff, a ton of stuff. But when it comes to, if you, you, you don't keep that, you just go, no, no, no. This one, we got to go public with, we can't hold on. Okay. So confidentiality, being safe, means creating an environment in the group where you don't gossip, but also where you would, I mean, if it's, if it's against, okay, so you get what I'm saying, right? Fine, all right, so let's look at these together, okay? Let's go, start with the first one. Growing together means being? Growing together means being? Growing together means being? Growing together means being? Or confidential, right? And growing together means, write this down, meeting regularly. Woo, would you just write that down, some of you in bold letters, especially you sun worshipers. Right? Okay. Growing together means meeting regularly. Now, now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I just want to be honest with you, okay? I just want to, I want to speak the truth in love. Here's, watch this. Today might be the last day. I see some of you. Your theme song is, when it comes to church, see you in September. Right? You ever heard that song? Right. Your theme song is, oh my gosh, it's hot out. I can't go to church anymore. I'm allergic. And so I don't go to church. I don't do my fellowship group. Right? And just, am I lying or is this like, you know, like a third of you just check out and I go, oh my gosh, did they die? Did they move away? No, it was just June. It was, it was just July. And I understand, right, because we're in New York. And, and in New York, you, we, don't, we don't do this summer by, like, Memorial Day or June 21st or anything like that. You know when summer begins? The first time you hear... You hear that truck going by with the ice cream. You're like, woohoo! It's summer! I am ready! And, that, and summer means I forget about my small group. I don't go to church. And I just live off of the picnic, the beach, do you name what it is, the family get together. The, the, and I get that whole vacation thing. And I'm, you know, I'm cool. Go ahead. Go on vacation. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that it lacks wisdom. It lacks wisdom. 
to say, I'm going to put my spiritual growth on the shelf and I'm not going to go. It's just insane. It's insanity. Could you imagine? What do you think would happen to a person's diet? And, and matter of fact, you don't even have to imagine, right? Because there are seasons when your diet goes south, right? So, right, so Thanksgiving, right? What happens to that cat, right? Thanksgiving, woo, turkey, you know, if you're in my culture, pork chops, right? And, and all that stuff. So you do that to like the, what, what is it, the first, the last day of December, because you think that things are going to turn around, right? And then, and, then, and then you do that New Year's resolution thing. Anybody knows what happens to the health of that person? It goes nowhere. It gets worse, actually. Not that it doesn't go nowhere. It goes somewhere. It just gets worse. So here's what we're saying. Don't do that spiritually. Don't stop meeting together. Here's what the Bible says in Hebrews 10.25. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Instead, let us encourage one another all the more. Since you see that day, since you see the day of the Lord is coming near. Now look up at me. Now watch this. I just want to be very honest with you. Your spiritual growth tanks when you stop connecting with people. Um, uh, true story. My wife and I, uh, every couple of years, we go to uh, a marriage counselor. It's good. If you're married, you should go to a marriage counselor every couple of years. I mean, you take your car in twice a year for a mechanic, right? I mean, you, take, you go do a checkup on your own body. It's a very good thing to do. Do a checkup. Every couple of years, go to a counselor. Don't wait till something goes wrong. Go and, and, and check it out. And, you know, check under the hood. Hey, how are we doing? Uh, you know, and you find out. I always find out that we are doing far worse than I thought. I thought we were doing so great. And then we come to a counselor. It's like, wow, I didn't know. I'm sorry. And so, but here's, here's, what, here's what I've discovered. Here's what I discovered. When we go to counseling together, no matter what the argument is, if the counseling session is at 4 o'clock on a Tuesday, the argument is done, we've kissed and made up by Tuesday, 3.50. Do you know why? Because not one of us wants to go to the counselor and says, I'm just sticking by my guns, I'm not talking to her, and or she'll say, you know what, I'm not going to listen to him. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to tell the counselor, because you can't pay, you can't, how stupid is it to pay somebody to tell them you're not going to do anything, right? So there's great motivation, Right? Why am I telling you that story? It's very important. Because when you come to a small group and you're surrounded by other brothers and sisters in Christ and you said two weeks ago, you know, I've been eating really poorly and my diet's really suffering from it. And then last week you go, I've been eating really poorly and my diet's been suffering for it. You come in this week you want to be able to say, I'm eating much better now. I've only had three ho-hos. And so, here's my point. There is great power in meeting together. Now watch, but now watch this. Now watch this. It's not just for you. It's not just for you. Listen to me. And I, and I need you to hear this from the bottom of my heart. I lose out. When you check out, I lose out. Because who tells me the thing that God would have used you to tell me if you're not around. I lose out when you check out. And so we need each other. Now remember, in Christ and, and, and in the body of Christ, we're neither codependent, this ridiculous, you know, kind of 
ridiculous relationship where my whole world revolves around you. It's called idolatry. That's not it. And we're not independent. I don't need anybody here. I don't need anyone. I just, I'll do it on my own. It's neither codependent or independent. It's the third way. It's interdependent. We need each other. I desperately need you. Listen to me. I don't need you a little bit. I desperately need you. I need your encouragement. I need you to help me when I fall. I need you to love me when I stumble. I need you to encourage me when I do okay. I I just need you. We need each other. So, Acts 2.46 says this, Day after day they met as a group in the temple, and they had their meals together in their homes, eating with glad and humble hearts. That's what I want for you. So here's what I want for you, okay? I'm going to, okay, everybody, turn your bulletins to where it says, are you connected? Are you connected? And it's a good question. And if you're not in a small group, the answer to that question is, no. No, I am not connected. But I want to be. That's the answer. I'm not connected, but I want to be. Okay, here it is. Now, you have that page? Everybody have it? Are you connected? Okay, it's actually the time for interaction. Does everybody have that page? Okay, great, great. Now, look up at me. Look up at me. Look up at me. I'm going to make it super easy for you to get connected. Now, remember, this is going to help you with your health. It's going to help you with your sanity. It's going to help you with your spiritual walk. It's going to help you. I mean, it's going to help you with your relationship. I mean, everything that I said, it's going to help you with. Now watch this. This is big. Are you connected? What I'm going to ask you to do in one minute, eh, maybe two, is I'm going to ask you, you see the, the, the opportunities you have? Tuesdays is a mixed group. That means if you're a guy, if you're a girl, if you're uh, married or single, if you're, it's just a mixed group. You're going to call Pastor Gus. And you go, I don't know who Pastor Gus is. Here's the number. It's that easy. Like, do you have a phone? Do you have a phone? Is it okay? Your finger work? Okay, good. You can do this. If your fingers work and you can talk, you can do what I'm asking you to do. You can do it. I, I have great confidence in you. Okay. Secondly, on Wednesday, we don't just have a small group on Tuesday. You go, Tuesday's no good for me. Wednesday, if you're a woman... I want you to call Laura. And here's her number. Now, men, look up at me. None of you are qualified for this group. Did you hear the stipulation? You have to be a woman. So Laura should get no phone calls from any of the men just wondering about the women's group. Okay, can we just agree on that? Safe place. Safe place. Okay. All right. Saturdays. You go, wait up. I can't do weekdays. Weekdays are all blown for me. I work hard. You know, I get up at 2 o'clock in the morning and I don't go to sleep till 1. And it's a terrible thing. Saturdays. At 11 a.m. to 12, there's another small group. And and it'll be wonderful. And you'll call. It says Michael here, but don't call him Michael. His name is Mike. And so you call Mike or Michael. Mikal, um, the way they have it in the, in the bulletin. And that's his number. 
that's also a mixed group. So we have a specialized group that's on uh, Wednesday. Now, what if you're a guy and you just struggle with guy things? There's one small group that's not here because it's bigger than your average small group. And, it's, and it's, it's, there's a men's group that we have meeting. It's called, it's such a guy name. Such a guy name. Like, if I'm a guy, I, I like, love this name. If I'm a girl, I go, I definitely don't want to go there. And it's made that way. It's called Warrior. Well, you have to say it in a deeper voice. Warriors, soldiers, men. Isn't that great? It's just a fantastic. Like, if you're a dude, it's so there. And um, so what you do is it's, it's actually in your bulletin somewhere. Here it is. In the first page, upcoming events, it says, is the first thing. Can, can you try to, even, listen, even when they write it down, they have to make it bold letters, right? Because they have to make you say it. Warriors, soldiers, men. It's because it's that manly. It's like testosterone filled. It's wonderful, right? So now here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's my question for you. And I'm going to ask you to take out your yellow cards. Take them out. Go ahead. You can do it. Try. The yellow cards are in your bulletin. The yellow cards, anybody know what they are? They're in your bulletin. Take it out. Go ahead. You can do it. Nobody's taking out their yellow cards. I can't believe this. We've got one person taking out their yellow cards. Okay. Take out your stinking yellow cards. How many times does the brother have to say it? Okay. All right. Um, so take out your yellow cards. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down who you're going to call. And we're not going to check up on you. We're not going to go, hey, by the way, uh, you didn't call. She, I called her and she told me you didn't call. Like, you know, who has the, the, the people power to do that? We're not going to do that. But we're going to pray for you to call. We're going to pray for you to call. We're going to pray that you're, you know, your finger get unbroke and that you can actually pick up the receiver. And we're going to pray that you can actually go, hello, my name is Edwin. And, you know, I heard you had a small group. And what time? And is there, should I bring something? And, you know... Uh, we're just going to imagine that you're going to do that, and we're going to pray for that end. But here's the deal. Okay, now, before you do that, and you're not convinced, I'm just going to ask, and in the last uh, service, we had like, man, half the congregation stand up, but I wonder if you're there. If you're in a small group, I want you to just go ahead and stand up. If you're in a small group, go ahead and stand up. Okay, cool. Right? Small group, stand up. Now, watch this. This is cool stuff. Now, this is so cool. Watch this. You're going to like this a lot. You're going to like this a lot. Listen up, listen up, listen up. Everybody, listen up, listen up. What is it that you love about your small groups? What is it that you love about your small groups? What's the thing that you love the most about your small groups? Huh? Okay, the honesty. So you really like the honesty, right? That, that, that you know, marriage is a church. Let me tell you something. There's nothing like being able to be in a group and go, me too. Me too. Oh, you struggle with that? Me too. I thought I was the only one. It's an unbelievable thing. What else do you love about your small group? Who else? Yes. Sharing your what? Sharing your skills. Okay, so being of service. So there's some, you, you, go, you go into the small group and you're, man, I'm able to serve people. And I just love that. Being able to serve others, create environments, help, and all that other stuff. What else? What else do you love about your small groups? The friendships. Is that what you just said, Mike? Tell me about the friendships. What do you mean when you say friendships? The Right, so the bonds that you create with people, there's, some, there's nothing like it, right? I mean, there's nothing like being, creating a bond with somebody, them knowing you, and you knowing them, celebrating you, and you celebrating them. There's something beautiful about that. What else? What else? Yeah, we have humility. Humility. Wow. Oh. 
So there's this sweet sense of humility and sharing the burden of the group. That's beautiful. Anybody else? Right. Right. So it gives you different insights and it helps you grow. And it's, See, that's wonderful. Now, here's the deal. Do you not want that? Do you, do, do you go like, okay, I, no, bonding with people? No, thank you. No bonding for me. Uh, honesty? Uh-uh, I want to live in deception. Thanks. My favorite kind of deception is self-deception, and I can't do that in a group because and then they call me on my stuff, so I don't want that. And, you know, being served by others or serving others, <laughs> that is so 1990s. I am so into not being served or serving anyone else. I'm just not there. No, thanks. Like, who here would say that? None of us would. And then here's the thing. You say, well, no, 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 but I have this in other forums. Listen to me. No, you don't. Not what we're talking about. Not this biblical perspective. Not this Christ-centered in fellowship. So I want that for you so bad. So would you write down the name of the person you're going to call this week so that you could connect with a small group. Would you just write that down in your yellow card? We're going to pick them up in a second. That being said, um, I had a, uh, and I'll close with this. I had, you know when I say I'll close with something, you know what that means? Nothing at all. Nothing at all. It means nothing. It's terrible. I feel so bad for you. Okay, so, um, seriously speaking, seriously speaking, this week, it just happened. I was, I was doing some service in some place and I got a text message from this woman. And it was a sad face. That's all it was. It was just the two dots with the, you know, the bracket. The, no, not turned happy, but sad, right? So, right? so I was like, man, I never got... I was like, gosh, what, what does that mean? Does it mean like suicide? Is like, like, I don't know what that means. So I, I, I called her up immediately. And what I got on the other phone was this person crying. And she was deeply moved, because remember how for the last few weeks we've been sharing about people, right? They've been coming up to this mic, and they've been sharing about how Jesus has changed their lives, and how they have this family of people. She's crying. She goes, you know what, Edwin? I don't have that. And she has a, like a, 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 you know, like a, a, I don't know what you would call it. I don't want to try to out anybody. She has like a 12-step environment that she goes to. You know, so that she's, she's a, in a group with people, for sure, but she's crying, saying, I want so bad to be in a, a group of people who are looking to grow in love with God and who are looking to, to, to be celebrated and to celebrate others who can just rejoice in other people's accomplishments. And she's telling me this through tears. And as she's saying this, I go, this could be yours. You could just receive Christ. This could be yours. She goes, I'm not sure I'm ready for that. I go, would you just be willing to hold what your spiritual ideas are loosely? And would you just start coming? Just hold them loosely. Hold them loosely. If you don't grab on to hold them too tight, we can do this journey together. But that, I've never heard before a person being attracted to Christ because of our fellowship. You know, they're attracted to Christ because Gus is a good communicator. They're attracted to Christ because so-and-so invited them, their friend, and all that other stuff. I've never heard somebody say, 
I'm dying without this. I want that for you. There are people who are not... So here's here's how it starts for you. For you it starts, Jesus, would you come into my heart? Here's, Here's what I know. Jesus came from heaven to earth and died on a cross because there was something that separated you and him in fellowship. He said, I can't stand our broken fellowship. And so he said, I'll do everything. I'll come from heaven to earth. I'll be born in a smelly manger. I'll live the life that you should have lived. And I'll die the death that you deserve to die. I will die for your sins. I will take the burden on myself. And it will be given unto me so that you and I could have communion. Another word for fellowship. And I'm not just going to give you... Like, that would be enough, right? I'm not going to give you just that. Not only am I going to give you communion with me, I'm going to give you communion with my entire body. You know what that body is called? The church. The church. The church. And you get to be a part of that. So my prayer is that we would all grow deeper in relationships as we look at God's word together, as we hear somebody say, you know what, this scripture really hurt, and you're like, woo, transforms you. My time is done. Let's pray. Musicians are going to come up as we pray. Right now, I just want you to, even, I know that the floors are creaky and you, there's a temptation to look around, but listen to me. So how are you doing in fellowship? Like, how is that? Are you growing with other brothers and sisters in Christ? Maybe you're far from God. Maybe you don't want to have anything to do with God. Maybe you're just kind of an explorer in Christ. I don't know what you are. Here's, here's what I'm saying. You have an opportunity today, an opportunity to be surrendered to Christ, an opportunity to fall in love with Jesus, an opportunity to fall in love with Jesus as you fall in love with his people. I want that so bad for you. I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you for this opportunity that you've given us, this fellowship that you've put in your word. Lord, I know that being a Lone Ranger Christian is not at all what you want for us. You never intended that for us, ever. And so, Father, I do pray that in Jesus' name there would be a sense of brokenness. There would be a sense of desperate need of you. And that as you reside in our hearts, you give us a longing, desire, a hope to be in fellowship with one another. Father, I pray that we would be broken by the gospel, seeking your face, loving you with all our hearts, being motivated by your spirit because only you can change this in us. Father, I know that there's a ton of introverts here and we just go, I, don't, I just don't have the time and there's not enough hours in the day. And Lord, would you just take away those excuses? Remind us that we make time for the things that we care about. And Father, I pray that in Jesus' name there would be a, a humility and an honesty, that there would be a courtesy, there would be a a safe place that we would create and that we would meet regularly. That none of us this summer would check out 
that we would be reminded, Lord, that we do better when we do life together. Father, remind us of this and give us a passion for this. Help us as we make these phone calls this week. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.